spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, welcome into Region Review. Matt Miguez here. We have so much to talk about. We have a big day coming for you soon. Grand opening of primary access urgent care here in Lafayette, 2912 Johnson Street in the Wynwood Shopping Center. One of our proud sponsors. We're, we're so great to have, we're so grateful to have them on board with us. Joining us, joining me today, as always, is Man About Town, Josh Jagno. Josh, what's going on, man? I oh, mean, what a, what a great experience that was, and we've said it a million times. Ed was great. His people were great. Family was awesome. Uh, all of his workers were outstanding to us, and uh, it was just a great, great experience. Good time. And we cannot forget our very good friend and Rage and Review guest contributor, Mr. Jerry Abear. Jerry, what's up? Oh, it's good to be back. It is yeah, good to dude, be back. we missed you. I missed you guys too. I would sing. I would sing. I would sing songs at night. How lonely I was. And no, oh my not, god, not quite. Not quite. I'm. I uh, it's 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 been a it's been a hectic month, but it's been a good month. But um, with everything going on, um, it's it's good to be back here and, and talking some sports with you guys, especially in particular Raging Cajun Athletics. So you know, obviously we're we're, we're recording this after the fact. We went to the uh, the grand opening of Primary Access Urgent Care this morning, and I mean, what what a what a what a day. Yeah. Uh, what a lot, a, I think more happened just in this one day than it has. For however long this oh, whole thing what? has been in existence, and a lot of a lot of good things has happened, and we'll explain more of it uh, as as this uh, episode goes on. But man, what a great day! What a great opportunity! And you know the fact that when you go out, one thing I've learned about this area and this culture: when you go out and, and, and put yourself out there in this community and you try to represent uh, your brand in the best way possible, people will respond in a positive way. And uh, today was just a small example of that. For sure. Yeah, no, no question. Obviously, Mr. Ed Haney opening the the urgent care. He he took a chance on us, wanted to partner with us, and you know we're we're eternally grateful for that. And uh, you know, just being like like you said, putting your face out in the community is obviously a, a huge thing. Big thanks to Adam and Sarah Lopez over at Award Master hooked us up with some legit face masks and stopped by to uh, visit with us for a while. Stopped by to visit at the urgent care. Um, Hooking us up with koozies as well, among you know many many other things, and and a fantastic job on our awesome face mask that he delivered this morning. Oh yeah, and not not to mention let's let's talk about the face mask for a minute. So obviously we you know we gave him away at the open house this morning, and it's not every day that a not only the mayor president comes to the urgent care. Secondly, he jumps on the podcast, which <laughs> we which, which we will have for you, you know, shortly. And then at the ribbon cutting outside the building, which obviously is going to be on every news channel, most Facebook pages in the city, blah blah blah. Ed Haney, the Rage and Review guys, and Mayor President Josh Guillory rocking a Rage and Review face mask. Ambush marketing. It's you can't, you can't, beautiful. You can't buy that. You, you no, really you, can't. you can't. You that's can't that. that, that's the greatest point of, of free advertising in the world. Uh, big thanks to to Mayor Guillory. Hey, and big shout out to Anna Bourgeois know, for passing by and giving us that. Yeah, what vaulted that? security, Anna Bourgeois. What yeah, a the LA cheesecake was outstanding. I, I'm I'm a 
connoisseur of Jimmy, cheesecakes because of Catherine, but uh, Jimmy John's dropped off really some uh, some delicious sandwiches as usual. Thanks, Henri. Eating, eating one right now. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, you know, guys, y'all, y'all, I haven't confirmed this with either one of you yet, but I'm gonna go ahead and blast it here on the pod. September 10th, we will be sitting down once again with Mayor President Josh Guillory Ooh. to discuss. The goodness of Raging Cajuns athletics. Yeah, the importance. He, he wanted to do the episode, full episode. We'll sit him down. He's a sports fan, apparently. We'll go find out. We'll go test him. Yeah, so like I said, Thursday, September 10th, we'll be sitting down with him. Probably be available the next day, Friday the 11th. Um, so be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. And, and, you know, one thing that we can talk to, to the mayor president about, uh, besides his, his fandom, is the fact that the impact or how much impact the university and the athletic program brings to the community, brings to this economy. Um, and, and really, at a time like this, you know, we can talk about or break down the importance at, um, especially with everything going on with college football, right, and, and, and whether or not there's going to be a season, how many fans can go, what kind of impact, or at least hopefully is there a light at the end of the tunnel of an impact that, that education athletics can bring at a time like this? Can it, motiv- can it, can it motivate people? Can it inspire people? You know, sports is a, is, is a place where people look to, to, for inspiration, so... And it was good company, good people. It was a lot of fun. But listen, we have some great topics on this episode. So we're going to be, it's, it's 100% sports. We're going to do sports. We did a little Lafayette stuff. We, we Obviously, we're going to plug all of our sponsors. But you guys will love the episode, and uh, it was fun doing it. All right, guys, without further ado, the grand opening of Primary Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnson Street here in Lafayette. Cajun Nation, we are live. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnson Street in Lafayette. Matt Miguez here. Josh Jagno, Man About Town, joins me as well. Man About Town, what's going on? Uh, this is my first live uh, radio of any kind, so uh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. And we are joined by our very special Rage and Review contributor, Mr. Jerry Abair. Jerry, what's up, man? Oh, it's been a while. Back yeah, in the saddle. It's good to have you back. Back in the saddle again, guys. It's so good to be back. Yeah. All right. Let, you know, let's let's start right off the bat. We're, we're three weeks away from football season. And, you know, looking at the looking at the schedule right now, it sits at a nine-game schedule um, with our opener being September 12th in Ames, Iowa, against Iowa State. What would... The, the question that I have is, so Billy, Billy Napier said yesterday that he does not expect us to play an opener on September 5th, which I tend to agree. However, there's still two open spots on October 24th and November 21st. Do you fill those spots? And if so, with who? Um, I think you try to. You know, you want to play as many games as possible. I mean, now you're starting to see teams from around the country, some of which are, I mean, you've got the Southland Conference, for example, that were that were given permission to play non-conference games only. Some teams are only going to play like three or four games. Um, you, you want to be able to have as many games as possible, mainly because of the fact that, you know, if you're only going to play three or four games, why prepare, you know, at that point? And but and some schools are in that position. Uh, if I mean, obviously, I want to play more games. Um, I know that they're going to try. I believe that September 5th, 5th slot, there were speculations that Dr. Maggart was trying to get maybe a Southland team to play, especially the ones in Texas, because they had a few like, I believe, Lamar, uh, Stephen F. Austin, which who actually announced that they wanted to play non-conference games. So if you have that opportunity and you can give them a decent payday to come down to Lafayette, I'm all for it. I think the big debate right now is whether or not how many FCS schools do you want to schedule? Because 
I don't know what the deal is with a bowl game, but usually to become bowl eligible, you're only allotted one win against an FCS opponent. You can't have multiple wins to count it against your six wins for to get bowl eligible. Right. So I think you got to be careful there. But again, in a situation like this year, it's a little bit different because we don't even know if we're going to have bowl games. So um, I would try to fill the schedule as, as many games as possible. But at the same time, based off the circumstances, you know, if, even if it's only 10 games or 11 games, you know, really, I think I think we're, we're doing the best that we can right now. Yeah, I think the obvious answer is if you want to play as many games as you can, just from uh, the standpoint of we want to be as good as we can towards the end of the season. If we have a bowl game, if we have a playoff system, whatever the case may be, you want to be prepared. You want to be seasoned, right? That's that's the easy answer. Uh, I think that they waived the two FCS, uh, or they, they included the two FCS wins towards the bowl game this year. Okay, I mean, an exception. Yeah, one-time yeah. exception, yeah. I would so, think so. So 20, 2020 is obviously going to be a different situation down the stretch. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that you play. You play FCS, you play whoever will come. I, Billy did say he expects to only play the games that we have, but if you can, he also did say that it's not a for sure. You know, the fifth is still open. Texas has a game, uh, no game on the fifth. They could come down to Lafayette. But you know? we all know that they're scared. Well, that's that's so. a conversation for uh, the end of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I don't. It's like Matt said when we first started talking about this this uh, this situation. Billy probably doesn't say that unless he has some pretty good knowledge behind the scenes that we're not getting the game, uh, or, or at least it's on it, you know it's it's on the thin line. So uh, it's it's yet to be determined. But I hope we do get that game. And and you know one one question that a lot of people are asking, you know. We replaced the home game with Wyoming with a road game with Iowa State, which, of course, you know, you, you can't really expect a Big 12 school to come down to Lafayette. But the, the question that a lot of people are asking is with the three open spots that we have, how important is it to get one or even two home games out of those three, three open dates? Well, I think right now the big issue, I mean, it's the elephant in the room is lost revenue. I mean, that's the big topic right now. You see schools, I mean, like LSU last week announced that they can lose up to $80 million in revenue, and a majority of that but, comes but, from— But let's, let's not forget, LSU is the school that said from the beginning— that they'd be okay. Where they're not going to Even be when okay. there's no football season, they can, they'd they be can okay. polish it as much as they want. No school, especially a bigger school that has to pay more with their operating expenses, is going to be okay if they can't afford season tickets. It's just not going to happen. And so that's one thing that uh, the Cajuns are facing right now, just like every other school, is that, you know, it's important because you're going to try to generate revenue anywhere you can. I mean, that's the big topic. So you want to get as many home games as possible because you need the money. I would say, though, uh, you're losing the gate or maybe you get 20, 30% of the gate, you're losing the concessions. I think I think the home game is more important for your fan base and to reward your uh, your donors and your supporters than anything. Uh, and, then, and, and then again, you obviously want to play at home, but we don't even know if we're going to tailgate, and we probably won't. <laughs> yeah, so right. how much are you losing from a financial standpoint about the home game? Uh, I think that's a very nuanced question and answer. Yeah, and you know, the, the, you bring up an interesting point and the fact that tailgating probably won't happen. The the thing that I find interesting is I know multiple people that only go to the game because they tailgate and they're already here. Yeah. So the question is, is if you don't have tailgating, how much does that affect the attendance that you're allowed to have, if any? And and I've I've actually met uh, I know a few people as of this year who aren't actually renewing their tailgate spot because they don't know. I mean, look. 
you know, between now and September 5th or September 12th or whenever the first game is, we, we don't even know. I mean, the rules change every day. I mean, this isn't I mean, this whole thing with COVID-19, it's been a real time virus that has changed rules and laws and uh, how things are implemented. It changes by the minute. It's up to the minute. So right now, we don't even know what the tailgating rules might be come September 5th or whenever our right. first home game is. If they're, they're allowed might, at all. If they're allowed at all, a lot might change. So I think right now there's a lot of people that are on the fence of paying for a tailgate spot because by then they might have written a check for nothing. We don't you don't even know. You can't undersell the idea is that t- tailgating has been the draw for, for a lot of Cajun football fans for a long time. I mean, how many times have we talked about you got to get the guys in the parking lot through the gate and into their seats? So take away that, take away the atmosphere, take away uh, just an, an extra reason to be at the at the field at all. Uh, how does that affect attendance the, you know, regardless of what's allowed inside, regardless of what's allowed outside? I mean, that's a huge part of, of this whole process. And I, I know that Maggard and Nico have a plan, I'm sure. Uh, it would be nice to know something soon, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, we are live at the open house of Priority Access Urgent Care in the Wynwood Shopping Center 2912 Johnson Street here in Lafayette, open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Guys, you know, let, let's kind of talk about Ed and, you know, the, this business that he's opened. How important is the fact that he is putting this urgent care in close proximity to campus? Uh, well, you know, one thing that they that's really big here in the Lafayette area, really just all over Acadiana, is buy local, right? Uh, you always want to support sure. the small businesses. I mean, look, right now, if there's any time to support small businesses, it's now. I mean, almost 70% of America's, uh, you know, businesses come from small business, you know. And so right now, uh, with a lot of small businesses around the country struggling to even keep their doors open, uh, it's very important right now, especially for a, like a priority access urgent care, because it's local and it's you know it's people who are local the business is local and really they the beauty of the urgent care right now is they're an essential business i mean you know obviously in the in the atmosphere and the environment that we're in today uh it's very important because i can assume they're going to do pretty well in the next few months but it goes back to just buying local support local businesses especially those who support raging cajun athletics and so uh it's very important right now uh you talk about proximity it's right in the heart of town it's a great place to be and so um yeah very important it's close to campus look uh, local business is the backbone of of most economies but especially here in acadiana everybody's pretty loyal with uh, how they spend their money and how they open their wallets. That's important. It's something to be proud of for us. Uh, Look, his location is close to campus. It is, uh, he's going to work with UL athletes. He's trusted by people that uh, we all know, you know, our neighbors, uh, residents from all over Acadiana. So that's a big thing. Uh, I got to say this, Ed took a chance on this this podcast. He he listened, he believed in it. And uh, I can't say thank you enough. Um, <laughs> you look around his office, he's got Rage and Review stickers everywhere. He, you know, he was nice enough to invite us to do our thing over at, uh, at his opening. So, I mean, Ed's uh, he's a hero in my book. And I, I, I can't stress this enough for all of our UL students and faculty that, that tune into the podcast. 25% off with your valid student ID anytime you come to Priority Access Urgent Care. Also, he is the only urgent care that I know of that takes a VA. Yeah, VA insurance. Like VA that's... insurance, it's a big deal. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I don't like to advertise it, but I'm a veteran, so I'll probably be visiting uh, using my VA benefits. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks um, again, Ed, for that. And also, COVID-19 testing will be here at Priority Access Urgent Care in September. Okay, that's true. Moving on, guys, we are three days away from the first scrimmage of the season. 
How exciting is it to know that there is just a glimmer of hope in a football season? Well, I'm going to be climbing trees, trying to see over the fence. Because, <laughs> look, you know, we can't get in. I mean, media can't get in. You're behind the fence, behind the scoreboard, like yeah. looking up over the hill. I'm going to, I'm just going to drape myself in masks and try to just leave my, my hey, eyes open. Hey, so here, here's see what it. you can do. Shout out, shout out to Bobby Frugier. You can just, uh, you can just dress up as an under pressure worker and just walk in. I have some credentials on my on my neck tag and just walk right in. But uh, no, I mean, I'm excited. Look, once you start having scrimmages, it feels real. You know, you get a few reports. We, we don't know what they're going to look like, but we'll get some reports about what the team's going to look like. You know, who's who's strong, where, where we need improvement. Uh, that's a thrilling thought. You know, we've had such negative news for the last six months. The thought of football and something that's not uh, totally, you know, completely destroyed by COVID or whatever else 2020 had to offer so far uh, is, is a very exciting thought. So scrimmage, man, I can't wait. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, any type of football, whether it's practice, whether it's a workout, whether it's just any type of participation. Throwing in your front yard. Athletes, it's, it's a win right now because, you know, for six months we've been talking about no sports. We've been talking about, well, we not, might not have a season. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And then all of a sudden your team is getting together and they're actually, like, playing football. Regardless of if it's a scrimmage, regardless if, it, if it's just a practice or a workout, right. it's football related. And so it gives us something to talk about. It gives the fans something to talk about. And just having that five or six month hiatus of, you know, going, you know, before the NBA started playing again, before Major League Baseball started playing again. We really, in the sports world, had nothing to talk about. Right. So just the fact that these guys are getting together and being able to scrimmage. And, of course, the beauty of the scrimmage is you can see your talent. You can see what this team has. There's Look, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, and regardless of, 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 of COVID-19, that doesn't change the fact that the Cajuns have a high expectations coming into this season. So it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing the reports of, of what happens and what unfolds. But it's, it's an exciting time. It's great to just be able to talk about them doing something. So Something to look forward to, yeah. man. You know, how often you sit around and the despair kind of starts to sit in, you know, not to be too over the top about it, but, you know, it's just there's lack of buzz around town without the football team and without, you know, we lost baseball right in the middle of the season. There was minimal uh, amount of things to talk about, and it's nothing but news and politics, you know. Who's not sick of that? Right. So, you know, we love football here. The nation loves football. Uh, I hope it happens. You know, we talked on the last episode about the, the uncertainties, but, uh, you know, it's, it's looking like we're making an effort to try to get this thing done, and at, at the end of the day, at least we have something to look forward to and wait on. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, I, I want to talk about the special teams, especially our specialists. You know, shout out to the to the to the Aussie Reese Burns. What a uh, what what a guy he is. Huh? Proud friend of the pod. Proud proud listener of the pod. He's got swag. Uh, I like him. But you know, I really want to focus on Coach Robbie Disher and new place kicker. Indiana transfer Nate Schneider and you know coach loves him obviously you know there's videos circling on social media of him nailing 65 yarders I mean obviously he's not going to do that in a game but you know after losing such a consistent kicker like Stevie RT how much of a seamless transition could this be with a grad transfer like Snyder stepping in? Nate might take issue with with that making a 65-yarder in the game. I mean, hey, you never know, right? Hey, I mean, if he wants to, more power to him. But if Napier lets him try, I'm, I'm just saying it's a lot easier to make a 65-yarder when there's not a 300-pound lineman running at you, right? Then. It's true. Uh, well, the good thing about Nate is that he was a kickoff specialist at Indiana, so we know he's got the leg. And uh, Robbie Disher, by the way, 2014 Special Teams Coach of the Year at Oklahoma State, for people that don't know. 
uh, he's he's our, our new coach. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's our new coach, and uh, he said that Nate has the, the he's unflappable. He has the mentality of a kicker uh, that can that can weather you know ups and downs. And a lot of the kicking game is mental, as as you guys know. So 100%. He's very high on Snyder. And and look, here's the thing: we know that we have a good punter in Reese. We know that our kick return game is going to be in good hands with Christmas, the Christmas of the world, and the other guys that are going to go up, go back there and, and return kicks. But you know. You look back at like an App State. You look back at a few different games. I mean, look at ULM, who blew a kick to lose to us. There is such a premium on good field goal kicking when you're winning at a high level. There are going to be games that come down to a kick, uh, a turnover, or, or you know, something like that. A, a big, a big special teams return, uh, lack of mistakes, uh, lack of penalties. Yeah, for sure. You know, so. This is actually going to be a very important part of this team this year because, uh, you know, the, the the not so much talked about portions of the game have to be tightened up if we're going to go and represent the G5 in a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, 100%. And we all know that's our, look, that's our goal. That's our stated goal. Yeah, I think, you know, when you have a guy like Nate Snyder who's coming in, I mean, first of all, you have a kicker that comes from the Big Ten and comes from an Indiana school that was really competitive last year. So, sure. you know, when you're facing teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue every week, and, and you're able to play in that type of environment and you're comfortable, that makes me very comfortable to have a kicker coming in replacing a kicker like Stevie Artig, who we've known for years and was sort of a staple of this football team. Experience. So to have somebody like that come in and kind of fill that role in, because a lot of times when you have to replace a veteran kicker, it's very difficult to have somebody to come in who might be coming out of high school, who you don't know what to, what to expect from him, you know? I mean, even even at the Chuco level, you just don't know. So to have a guy like Nate Snyder come in who has Big Ten experience on a good team, I mean, that makes me feel a lot more confident than they, if we were to get some some high school. I think Indiana won a bowl game last year, didn't they? They, they, almost, lost, they almost beat Tennessee. They lost to okay. Tennessee, but okay. like at the last minute. But he played in that he's game. He's competed at a high level. Yeah, That's he's, important. He played at that game. So, yeah, it's, it's huge. That is huge for this All right, Cajun Nation, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, big SEC schools throwing out major restrictions for college football. And is the Big 12 striking a partnership with the Sun Belt? We'll talk about that and more right here on Rage and Review. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Wynwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the private fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. That's 337 
877-851-7223. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! And we're back here on Raging Review. Matt, Jerry, and Man About Town. Guys, I, I want to jump right into it. Like I said before the break, SEC schools throwing out major, major restrictions on their college football games. And I'm talking mainly about Alabama and Texas A&M. They announced at a minimum of 20 to 30% capacity. Fans have to wear masks in the stadium. And they're not allowing tailgating. I'm, I'm posing this question to either one of you. What does this do... From a fan base standpoint, financial standpoint, I know we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but how, how can this majorly affect these two programs? Financially, it's going to hurt. Um, again, if you look at certain schools out there, I mean, anywhere from 70 to, 70 to 80,000 season tickets, which includes like seat donations with your athletic foundation, can, can raise anywhere from 30 to $40 million of revenue. So right then and there, if you're only going to have 15% of that, it's going to hurt. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, these schools are going to do what they can to survive. But at the same time, if you're going to play, you're going to be making some financial sacrifices. Uh, and I think fans understand that. Um, you know, I, I've always been, a, uh, as a Cajuns fan, I've always been one of those types of people that I, I don't like missing home games. But this year, I've taken exception and I've accepted the fact that, you know, we might not be able to go to a UL football game. And I'm okay with that. You know, there's other ways to watch the game. I think when you've been around, uh, uh, you know, you, you've been following uh, what's been happening for the past five or six months, it really makes you appreciate sports even more, makes you appreciate football Absolutely. even more just to play. So I think, you know, these schools are doing what they can to satisfy, you know, the fan base uh, based off of the circumstances. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just happy that, the Sunbelt Conference, knock on wood, has not yet said we're going to postpone or cancel to where I'm just happy we can play, regardless of if I go to the game or not. Well, I, I do agree with you that sacrifices are going to have to be made, but I don't think it's going to be uh, these SEC football teams. I think it's going to be all the other programs that they support. So 20, 20 to 30 percent capacity, I mean, you're going to make some money regardless. You're going to make TV money. We all know that. You know, you're going to... <laughs> You're still going to be able to raise money. These are established programs. Uh, their smaller programs are going to get axed. Right. Uh, not only that is like, just say for say it's like a baseball program. Uh, a and M has always had a good a and uh, baseball program. So they might operate on 50% of the budget they did. You know, maybe women's basketball operates on 60% of the budget. You know, you never know. Title IX makes it kind of hairy because you can't just start slicing out. Uh, women's sports, right? Sure. So exactly, th that's gonna th that's gonna play a, a, an important role so, because you can't just get rid of a Title IX sport, but you can a men's sport. Well, so so it's, so it's safe to say from a UL perspective, soccer's not going anywhere. Well, I hope not because soccer's on the way way up. I know, and that's, that's they've got something rolling. And that's what's so hard. I mean, look, I actually look at some numbers from the school to the east across the basin. Uh, I looked at their 2016-2017 um, uh, financial report. I, just, I, just, I have to cut you off. Why would you waste your time doing that? But continue. Because it's a study. No, I know. I know. But it's a study because it's they're a good guinea pig to see, like, how it affects sports. Because schools necessarily, like, a, a bigger school, they bring in revenue, but they run on thin profit margins. I right. mean, there's only, like, 20 or 30 schools in America that run on a profit margin based off of athletics. And so, you know, 
even a school like that, you know, most of these schools have such high operating expenses right. that if you can't produce revenue for ticket sales, if your TV contract some, somehow falters or you only make half of what it normally would be, you're in the red now and you got all this money you got to pay Jerry, off. what if they come to the table? What if CBS, like I know they have these 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 contracts that are locked in, but you got to you got to think that maybe there's some language in there that says, look, if there's some sort of an act of God uh, uh, and we can't, majeure, yeah. uh, there's got to be a force majeure that says something to the effect of, hey, uh, if we don't get the experience that we're paying for, hey, you guys got to come to the table and we need to re renegotiate this thing. So we're banking on TV money to keep them afloat, but if the TV money somehow changes, and it may not be in 2020, maybe it's 2021. Oh, if, if there's no TV money, we're screwed. Well, just remember, a lot of the a lot of the CBSs and the ABCs and the ESPNs, a lot of their money comes off of sponsorships. Right. If you got a corporation out there that's furloughing employees, they got no money, they didn't well, create the a Well, the sponsorship is based on the amount of eyes and ears that they're going to get because of the games. Sure. So, I mean, so if there's nobody watching the games and there's nobody going to the games because of, you know, I don't know, uncertainty, whatever, maybe, maybe the product is so bad on the field, maybe the, the viewing experience is so bad now. Uh, maybe these sponsorships, they say, look, I'm not spending $30 million a year just putting out my product. And that's the thing about the TV contract. Maybe there's a I mean, more cost efficient. Everybody's got to, they got to tighten the belt. I Everybody. Think, I think at the end of the day, it's a bundling package. I think at the end of the day, what they're going to be doing, I hope that these universities and these, these athletic programs can can take a step back and learn how to budget more effectively. I mean, I think. Well, they're going to have to. You know, and look, I'm not saying you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have some crazy virus that comes around every two or three years. But at the same time, I think what one good thing that'll come out of all of this is it'll teach these athletic programs to budget. In other words, when you make $120 million of revenue, don't go spend $30 million of it on a locker room or a stadium right off the bat. Learn, create a rainy day fund, create, you know, maybe not pay your coach $15 million, right? I mean, there's ways you can get around it and still be competitive. Well, I, I, before, I'm sorry, Matt, to cut you off, but I will say that agents will not allow their clients to take less. It'll never happen. With their, with, this is where they're going to cut their budgets. Travel. Travel is, is what, 30% of the budget, maybe more than and, that? Yeah, it's going to become and, and more know, regional, and that's why you've heard it talked I, I about, about for a say, year. I, I think I think it's going to come down to the conference realignment thing. Conferences are going to have to be based regionally. Because sure. look at it, look, look, or, let, let's or talk, a scheduling let's, alliance let's talk, of some kind. Let's, let's talk about the American. Look, look at the American. There is no reason that Houston and Tulane and programs like that and Rice is an American. They're conference USA. Yeah. There's no reason that Houston and Tulane should be traveling up to Connecticut to play football. Look at UTEP. Look at UTEP having to go to, to West Virginia to play Marshall in volleyball. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, well, we were doing New Mexico State to yeah, F State. Yeah. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Sure. Look, look, look at our smaller programs like our volleyball or soccer. They're, they're That's trekking, where we're hemorrhaging they're, money. They're, they're trekking on a plane up to Boone, North Carolina on a Wednesday, and then they got to be back here for a Friday night home game. Well, I'll add to that. You're flying to Johnson City or you're flying, flying to Charlotte, and then you're renting a bus, and then you're renting a bus back, and then you're right. renting a bus to take you to and from the stadium. Th these are major ticket items that somehow is going to have to be it's got to be changed, uh, cut back, yeah. renegotiated. Well, I, I don't really know how else to say I, The reason why I brought up the point about the school to the east, they had the 2016-2017 the budget that they had, they actually made money in, out of the 25 sports that they have. They only made money in three sports, football, basketball, baseball. All 22 other sports, they were in the red. And how many schools in America make, make money? 
and that's so my, so black. That's my point. Five sports. That's my maybe point. five. Yeah, five maybe. The Texas schools. out of out of the one hundred and thirty FBS schools, probably it's, five. Exactly, and that's the point I'm trying to make is that even for a bigger school that has a lot of money that brings in it generates a lot of revenue, if you've got twenty five sports you got to support, and only three of them make money. Right. I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. Where, where well, do you? Do, I mean, where do you go? You know, guys, let, let's talk about this. You know, yesterday Michigan State and the University of North Carolina announced that they were going to virtual classes only. The the thing that's interesting about that is how how is that going to affect their athletic programs? Um, I mean, it'll affect them a little bit depending on how they. Uh, how they treat their players. I think it's going to be almost be like a business model, kind of like the NBA does with a bubble. Uh, and the fact that they'll probably have to, <laughs> they'll probably not allow yeah, students on campus, but at the same time, what they might do is allow for uh, the football players to be close together and, and protect them. Because remember, uh, one thing that the students, the luxury that the students don't get, that football players get, is they get multiple tests a week. Uh, most of your football players from different teams, especially after inventing that, st- or, uh, discovering that saliva test, right. which is a lot more cost effective and the, the 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 results come a lot quicker a lot of these schools are going to adopt that to where these players will be able to get tested consistently every other day whereas a regular student can't do that right not only that is in these training rooms you have doctors on staff you have assistants on staff oh, yeah. maybe it's a practitioner i'm not sure 100 percent, but that what counts. it's going to do yeah. absolutely they're being seen by medical professionals and a regular student doesn't have that uh, if you send the entire student population, with the exception of the athletes, if you send them to online class only, I think you protect the athletes even more because they're not commingling with, uh, you know, Susie Joe who who just goes off and does whatever she wants, or, and, or Bobby who only, does whatever he. You don't know where these guys have been. If you right. have the, the athletes within close proximity of themselves, but you know where they are, look that. That's going to keep them a bit, a bit safer. If not, in theory, it'll keep them safer, and it'll get all the corona people off of their backs. Yeah, right. for sure. And then, and then you know, the other thing is, is you know, you're talking about athletes being safer, you know, in the facility compared to where wherever else they may be. The other thing that that's interesting is, say, there's no football. Right. These kids aren't going to give a damn about what their plans are. Right. If they've got football, they know that they've got to stay protected. They have to take the measures to keep themselves to safe. But if, but if they're yeah. but if they're not if they don't have the discipline, they're way worse off outside of the facility than they are inside the facility. And I think that's why I've been saying since day one when these conferences started to opt out and started to postpone their season, I'm just kind of like, well, how can like for example the Big Ten? All right, you obviously right now the Big Ten is. You want to talk about a soap opera and a half. I mean, this might be an ESPN 30 for 30 in 10 years from now of how the Big Ten has handled oh, this. But 100%. I can't wait to talk about the, the Big the Ten. The reality is, is that the Big Ten has 13 out of 14 of their schools or members are going back to school on campus, but yet they're talking about player safety. And I'm but like, they're not playing football, right? Well, I was like, wait a second. How can you tell me that you're going to allow 13 out of your 14 stu- uh, schools on campus with 30,000 plus students, but yet you're talking about player safety? And, that, and I understand the argument, well, you know, when you're playing football, it's more physical contact but what about when you go on campus and you're touching doorknobs and those students don't socially distance and you're and you're going into the libraries and the quad and you're interacting you're hugging people you're co-mingling what, what about greek life the greek the greeks yeah so what i mean really what difference is it going to make at that point where you're trying to create an argument well, of player safety right there, you totally i agree with you mm-hmm. and you know I hate I hate that I'm about to say this with every fiber of my being. Don't I agree 100% with what Zach Thomas said. 
Yeah. Oh no, I know. He said what he said was absolutely correct. He's got a point. They they are 100% so much safer in practice, in facilities, however it may be, than they are on their own. Well, it, it, the the end the end all be all here and we're going to get into the Big 10 in a minute, but guys like Kevin Warren, uh, presidents of these universities, even ADs to a certain degree, they don't want to be sued. That's what it's all about. They don't want to no, be it's sued. It's totally a lawsuit thing. One hundred percent. Mark Emmert doesn't want to be sued. Uh, these these guys look. It has absolutely nothing to do with player safety. It has absolutely nothing to do with having a, you know formulating a plan to get back to normal as fast as possible, as efficiently as possible. That is not the goal. The goal is avoid litigation at all costs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, exactly. And and you know, because here's the thing. I think the big fear right now is the fact that if they do play in the middle of a pandemic, you've got. All it takes is one one athlete or one football player to die from COVID. And, and, you, right. and, and you know these writers just cannot wait. They can't wait to say how wrong these programs oh, of course. are. Well, they're doing 100%. it right now. They're, they're doing, doing it right, it right now. Well, hey, you know, we talked about it a second ago. You said you can't wait to talk about the Big Ten. Let's go ahead and talk about it. You know, there, there was talk that there was a vote between the athletic directors and the university presidents. Then there wasn't. Then <laughs> there was. Very vague language. Then there was. And now we're back to there wasn't. So how big, and you know, you, you made a joke that there's going to be a 30 for 30 in 10 years. I don't disagree with you. Might even be sooner than that. But what what kind of precedent does this set for the rest of the country? You know, my wife, even though she's a school teacher, she still has a master's in communications. And one of the things she brought up is about crisis communication at a time. Damage whether, control. At a time where there's a problem or any type of conflict like we're seeing right now with COVID-19, you got to be on top of your game when it comes to communication. And one thing the Big Ten has not done is exactly that. I mean, what we've seen is you've got you've got the uh, the the. You've got the, 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 the vote numbers being all inconsistent. You know, you've got the fact that the commissioner has come out and has basically contradicted himself a few times. You've got the fact that, you know, one of your star players from one of the universities in the Big Ten have come out saying we want to play and have created a petition that has been signed by almost half a million people. And that's growing, by the and way. You've got you've got three or four different schools who have come out and says we, we don't agree with this, we want to play, and, and yet now we find out that there wasn't even a there possibly there was never even a vote. vote. Right. I mean that you for everything like if there was a checklist on what what not to do the Big it, Ten is checked off on every, every, on single, every box. single box. Right, one hundred percent. And so that's where I think, as a whole, uh, they went in thinking they were going to be some type of, uh, you know, leaders of the pack. Where oh well, if we cancel, then the the ACC is going to follow, the Big Twelve is going to follow, the SEC is going to follow. And then they came off saying, sizes? well, we have all kinds oh, of um, doctors we've talked to that have said, well, we have oh, but we're all uh, the doctors have said it's not safe. Well, the ACC's come out and the SEC's come out and said, well, our doctors that we've talked to said it's fine so it has really caused a big ruckus i think what it's i think one thing the big 10 is really deathly afraid of no pun intended is the fact that if the other big the other three conferences of the p5 play and they show to be successful well guess what who's got egg on their face now they're gonna look so bad and look specific to kevin warren okay administrators uh you know ad's uh, presidents these guys all it's a small fraternity all you need to know about Kevin Warren, and if you look at his previous job and, and people that were working under him and with him. Other than that, he's a buffoon, but go ahead. They, 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 came, they came out, social media, phone calls, radio interviews, and literally said the guy is out for himself. He is incompetent. All, all these things are true. It, the fact that they'll go publicly and say that tells you everything oh, you need to know about the Big Ten 100%. and their leadership. But what, this is what I think happened. Some of the power brokers in the Big Ten got together, like probably your Michigan, 
you know, probably maybe even your Ohio State, even though they're so against not playing. These guys got in a room by themselves, made a, a decision unilaterally over a couple of whiskeys, and they just said, hey, we're not playing. And if we're not playing, you're not playing. And that's how it's going to well, be. Well, here, here's the thing. You know, you talk about Ohio State. This is an interesting thing. Ohio State has never said that they don't want to play football. So the question is, if you're Ryan Day or if you're Ohio State's athletic director or even their university president, what plan do you have to have a football season anyway? If, if I'm Ryan Day, I want to see who exactly said we shouldn't play, why they said we shouldn't play, what was the plan before, and if not, I'm suing. Well, I mean, you look at Nebraska. Hell, call I mean, the Big 12 for a year. Well, look at... The, 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 who's that going to hurt? are so locked tight. They can't leave. There's no... Member teams can't just do whatever they want. What's the point of being in a Well, it's an opt-out agreement. you got to pay a lot of money. It's an opt-out agreement. I mean, you look at Nebraska right now where Scott Frost came out and said, look, we'll play anywhere, anybody at any well, time. Well, right. Like, like you said, the, op- the opt-out agreement, like you said, you know, there's a lot of money that you have to pay, but... If you look at spending compared to loss, that's exactly what I was going to say. Wouldn't it almost okay. make more sense to pay it? What, do you, do you mean, have any idea what the actual penalty is? I couldn't tell you. What, what's a couple million dollars? Yeah. Nebraska can pay it. Well, it's funny because Nebraska came out last week specifically saying we would love to play in another conference and find a way to play. And then, you know, you got the commissioner of the Big Ten going, well, if, if you do, you're out. At this point right now, if oh, I'm well, Nebraska, I'm like, you know what? Bye. Dude, you got the, you got the, <laughs> the, you got the mayor Bye. of Lincoln, Nebraska coming out and saying, without collegiate athletics, we're going to close up shop. Well, the problem is ever since the Big Ten came out and said that about Nebraska threatening them, basically, their PR has taken such a bigger hit because we're finding out more truths to what the Big Ten is pulling off to where if I'm Nebraska at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'll cut my losses. I'll Pay the money. I'm out. Play, play some sort of a season. We'll, we'll recoup some of the dollars and we'll go back to the Big 12. That's where sure. we want to be anyway. They yeah. want to be back in the Big yeah. 12. Absolutely. The Big, 10, the Big 10 is a joke. It has, they have not been successful since they moved into the Big 10. So. All right, KJ Nation. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, like I said, we will talk about the Big 12 Sunbelt partnership that's kind of been struck for the 2020 season. And is Louisiana Tech still scared? <laughs> we will talk about that and more right here on Region Review. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Region Review, we're back here live at Primary, primary Access Urgent Care, and we are joined by a very special guest, Lafayette Parish Mayor President Josh Guillory. Mayor Guillory, thank you so much for joining us. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. This is a great day for Lafayette. You know, we, we want to talk to you from a from an athletic standpoint, uh, you know, being that we are the 
fan podcast of, of Raging Cajuns. So we want to start with how big of a Louisiana athletics fan are you? Oh, I'm a, that's, my, that's my home. That's my alma mater, you know? So, you know, Bear Bryant, when Alabama called, didn't he say you got to come home to mama? So, you know, yeah. And, and, but no, and look, it's going to be a great year. Coach Napier got our coach back, man. Wonderful coaches staff. Uh, you know, we lost uh, the coach DJ a couple couple weeks ago. He's still praying for him, his family. And, and we know when we lose one family member, we all mourn. But, uh, hey, look, man, I'm looking forward to the season. Sunbelt needs to stay strong have some football for us we can do it safe and you know my message to New Orleans over there you know if, if you want some fans in the stand NFL yeah y'all can come to, to Lafayette we can social distance Absolutely. I'm just throwing that out there you know Absolutely. I'm sure uh, Dr. Savoy won't, won't object you know again we'll do it safely but hey you know, ain't no, no place in the world like Lafayette Louisiana a little shot in the arm for the economy right amen we'll so Mr. It. Mayor before um, before you decided into politics uh, when you're, you're a graduate of UL correct yep. now how involved were you with UL athletics before did you go to the games did you wear your red on Fridays? Oh, yeah. Well, we, you definitely have to wear your red on Fridays. And, uh, you know, the, the, the games, it's, the atmosphere is so much different than when I – and I only, I only graduated in 2004. It's not that long ago, you know. I don't think it is, at least. <laughs> and and uh, But uh, it was – look, it's always been a great atmosphere right outside. But, man, look, the, you know, with the band under the oak tree and the tailgating, um, you know, those those are great foundations for a good fan experience. But I love the, the, the direction that the university is going. Uh, we started that, you know, five, ten years ago. About uh, more family focus, more more uh, engagement outside the stadium. One one thing that we can work on, I think, is getting a little more shade out there. You know, maybe some trees. You know, some more shade. it's hot. Yeah, you are. Uh, but, but we have a cayenne pepper as one of our mascots. So it's all good. So, uh, Mary Gillard, we like to talk to our our guests more like on a, on a fan level. So, from your point of view. Uh, as a student, as a graduate after, give us one of your favorite or your favorite UL sporting moment that you can recall is vivid. And uh, well, beating Texas A&M is, I mean, that, you know, sure. home, that's got to be the, the number one. And I see Jonathan Goodo over there, great representative. You're a UL fan as well, right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Great, great representative from Lafayette. And I think I need to go cut a, a ribbon here. But I'll tell you what, I know we got to cut our time short here, but I'll give you my word on the air. Let's do this again. Jenny, communications team will set us up, but I appreciate what you guys do. Keep pushing. Okay, go Cajun. It's going to be a great season. Sunbelt, have some football. It's okay. We need football. <laughs> We're going to be the economy, right. too. That's it. Mayor Guillory, thank you so much for joining us, and we, uh, like you said, we look forward to uh, to sitting down with you in the future. You got it. God bless you. Thank go Cajuns. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review you trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Nation. 
Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome back to Rage and Review. I am joined by Jerry Bear and Man About Town as well. And plenty to talk about, you know, wrapping up wrapping up shortly here on Rage and Review, live from Primary Access Urgent Care. You know, guys, we, we've been hitting at it for a while. Let's go ahead and dive into it. The Big 12 and the Sun Belt have kind of struck a partnership deal, if you will. Um, you know, September 12th, you've got Iowa State and Louisiana, you have Kansas and Coastal Carolina, and you have Kansas State and A-State. You know, looking at looking at those three games on the docket between the Sun Belt and the Big 12, what's the chances that the Sun Belt goes 3-0? Um, I mean, it's it, it really it's hard to tell because we don't know what to expect depending on players opting out, depending on the circumstances. But on paper, if you take what you saw last year and put it into these games, I mean, look – Coastal is uh, up 1-0 against Kansas. I mean, they beat Kansas last year. Yep. I mean, it was Les Miles' first loss as the Kansas head coach. So, um, it, you know, there's a possibility there. I mean, seeing what they did last year doesn't mean that it can't happen again. Uh, the Cajuns uh, facing Iowa State, I know we'll, get, we'll, we'll talk about that, but that, based on what the Cajuns have, I mean, that, that's definitely a winnable game as well up in Iowa. And, of course, the matchup between uh, Arkansas State and Kansas State, um, I mean, I think that's probably one of the toughest games for a Sunbelt team to pull off, but it's still a, there's still a possibility because Arkansas State has has some returning talent as well. So they're all winnable games. Will they win the game? I don't know. But they're all winnable games. No, well, nobody's going to get run out of the building, that's for sure. Right. Uh, interesting to note that Kansas is going to return the trip, I think it's next year, to Coastal. Wow. So that's a great scheduling feat right there for those guys. So, yeah, wow. Uh, that, if I'm, if like Jerry said it right, if, if COVID doesn't impact the rosters too too badly, uh, I'm gonna go out to my nearest bookie. Which I'm gonna take out. A, I'm gonna take out a three-game parlay on the Sun Belt because you're gonna get good odds and you're gonna have chances to win all three. And if you hit, it's gonna be a nice payday. Yeah. But uh, you didn't get that from me. Anyway, Coastal and KU. Uh, obviously, there's gonna be some animosity on the side of Kansas. Less miles. You never know what to expect. The guy seems to. He seems to go ahead and, and rebuild pretty well. So uh, against a team like Coastal, you don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this: Coastal Carolina's one key to victory. Slow down Puka Williams Jr. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's going to be key to the offense. I mean, I, he's the most talented player on the team for my money. Uh, so so that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch at least. Kansas State and Arkansas State. Arkansas State is kind of transi- transitioning this year to a two-quarterback system. They're not going to be your typical air raid like they have been. But will, will they play two-quarterback system? Because in my opinion, and I discussed this on the Underdog Dynasty podcast last week when we covered Arkansas State, if I'm Brian Anderson or Blake Anderson – I'm giving the keys to Lane Hatcher. And no no disrespect to Logan Bonner, but what Lane Hatcher was able to do last season coming in, you know, almost halfway through the year and playing the way he played, I'm giving him the keys to my offense. Well, I, let me say something about Hatcher. I thought Hatcher was Look, that wide receiver Corey last year was absurd. Oh yeah. I mean, look at Omar Bayless and uh, and Panther Camp. The guy is just killing it and he's uh, he's a UDFA. So he had he doesn't have Omar, so he's going to have to stop throwing those 50-50 balls. I don't know how good uh, Hatcher is. I think we find out how good he is this year, but whoever's behind him, uh, what's the guy's name behind Logan him? Bonner. Bonner. Uh There's going to be some competition there. So yeah. I mean, he's going to have a Bonner point to prove the, he was the starter. Bonner was the starter last year until he broke his hand. Right. Yeah. So I think there will be a competition there. I think especially early in the game or early in the season against the Kansas State, it's an out-of-conference game. Maybe you find out what you have there. Maybe they're not going in, you know, specifically to win. Maybe they're going in there to get seasoned. I don't want to put that on them, but that could be the philosophy. So either way, it's it's a it's a old Big Twelve, you know, 
cloud of dust, play some defense on Kansas State side. Arkansas State side is going to do what they do. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. Louisiana is going to Iowa State, and we're going to win. Ooh. So that's pretty much okay. the end of that. Well, and, you know, uh, another interesting topic that we've been, been meaning to touch on, obviously the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have announced that there won't be any fall football, although a lot of Big Ten schools are, are fighting that. However, the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the American, and the Sun Belt have all said football's going to happen. CUSA. Conference USA as well. Yeah. Football's going to happen. We don't know how. We don't know where or whatever, but it's going to happen. I, I guess my, my question on that is how does it how does this, you know, six conferences saying they're they're gonna play football compared to the three that haven't that, that said that they were gonna that they were gonna sit out. How does that make the three conferences look? I think it all depends on how it pans out. Um, you know, I've said this about the Big Ten, and I think that's what the Big Ten, the reason why the Big Ten has been so controversial is because I think they're somewhat afraid is the fact that um, right now, you know, we really don't know. But I do know is that the ACC, the SEC, the uh, <laughs> the Big 12, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, and the American are, they, they've got the green light. They're going forward. They're moving forward. So I think it's going to really depend on how successful those conferences the, the, the schedule pans out. I mean, look, if they're still playing football come November, the the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, Mountain West, and uh, the MAC are going to kind of look kind of foolish. I yeah, mean, not kind of. Uh, they're going to look like shit. Yeah, they're I mean, they're going and, they're going to look so dumb. That's why it's it's very crucial these first few weeks. It's very crucial right now with everything going on with um, students on campus or you know whether or not they should be on campus and all that stuff. I mean, that that's crucial right now because that'll determine whether or not these players can be safe and, and whether or not they can move forward. And you have a blueprint at that point. You have a blueprint. So, I mean, look, I, I said it in the beginning and I'll say it again. This COVID-19 pandemic, it's a real-time virus. We're learning every day something new about it and just trying to adjust based on that. So, you know, I, it, it's it's crucial to see whether or not they, they make it through the season. If they make it through the season, it's, I mean, that's going to be huge. Is the COVID-19 pandemic... Is this the perfect opportunity to not only put the Sun Belt on the map with you know conferences dropping out in terms of in terms of top twenty five rankings? Is this an opportunity to put the Sun Belt on the map? And even more importantly, is it an opportunity to put Louisiana on the map? It is an opportunity, and it ties into to the last question. It it the Sun Belt perception wise in this country has been perceived to be a seller dweller. Didn't matter that we've surpassed in TV money. Doesn't matter that we've been consistently more competitive. Yeah, we're, we're still the worst conference in the country, right? Yeah, it's perception wise. Yeah. You ask any Joe from you know middle of nowhere America, it, the Sun Belt is the worst. But it, it's actually factually inadequate. I mean, factually inadequate. I, I could I could easily put two conferences below us. The Cusa is absolutely the worst. If you look from top to bottom, Mac, Mac. Mac's the worst. Cusa's in the fair in enough. The At least it's that you can have a conversation. Right, about. right. This is an opportunity for the nation to see, especially now with all the, the more high-profile out-of-conference games. The Sun Belt can go up here even if they don't win, even if they're competitive on a national stage, and you know you're going to get the eyes, you know you're going to have the attention, you know there's going to be an appetite for football there. So when it happens, it's going to be in everyone's living room for for them to see, yeah, not just hear or read about, right? Yeah, so it sure. is an opportunity, especially for Louisiana. You go to an Iowa State, an Iowa State who I believe is ranked now, top 25. Yeah, they are. Yeah, preseason number 16. Take them to the wire, be competitive, whatever it is it's going to be, however the game unfolds. Win the game. Win the game, which I think we will win the game. You know, uh, that's a huge step forward nationally 
in in perception. Of course. And and that's what you uh, like it or not, you need the perception of everyday perception is reality to to raise your conference in in profile. Right. And I, I think the AAC is the only conference in the G5 that is really head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, and I think also, too, I mean, one thing, and, and I'll use UL Monroe as an example. I mean, they've gone up to Alabama. They've won that game. They beat Arkansas back in 2012. But the problem with ULM is they've never built on that. They've never said, they've never used that as a foundation. I mean, one thing that Appalachian State did, even though they had a history, was in 2007 when they went to the big house in Michigan and won that game. You know, obviously, they've always had a, a strong history, but that, that brought them from the clouds to the moon. Yeah, sure. You, know, you can say the same thing for Boise State. And yeah, for sure. What Boise State did in 2007 against Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. But at the same time, uh, that's one thing about the opportunity now is you don't have, like right now, if the Big Ten's not going to play, if the Pac-12's not going to play, that's 30 or 40 schools that are basically canceled out that won't block your chance at put, making a name for yourself to the country because now you're one of the select few that's still playing. So if you go to Iowa State and win that game and people already know the reputation that Billy Napier has, they know the reputation that Louisiana football has had over the past year, year and yeah. a half, that if you build on that and you keep and you keep building on that based off that win and then say, for instance, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but Billy Napier looks for greener pastures and we get a coach that comes in, it's a selling point for a new coach. It's a selling point yes. for recruiting. Well, well, and well, you can use that to your advantage. Let, let, let's just let's just call it what it is. Billy Napier's going to greener pastures. Eventually. Whether, whether, whether it's after this coming season or it's after the next one, Billy Napier's moving on two bigger and better things. And it's expected. Um, that's another thing that's going to raise I, the profile I could, I could of our talk, league and our program. I, I could talk about my theory about what's going to happen in the next five years. I, I swear to God, I have it all. I see it all. Um, and, you know, we, we could discuss that, you know, at, at any point in time. But, you know, I kind of want to close the episode with something that's really going to stir the pot, you know, Louisiana Tech fans hate oh, man. when we discuss this. So, you know, there is an opening on our schedule on September the 5th. There's an opening on Louisiana Tech's schedule on September the 5th. For what reason, if you had one, and please discuss at will, why will Tech not play us? One word, three letters, ego. You know, last week, Tommy McClellan, their athletic director, decided to tweet out a, uh, a that video, guy. A video of, of Kenneth Dixon's 99-yard run against the Cajuns in 2014, <laughs> and he wrote 99 problems. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're trying to get under our skin, but at the same time, for, again, crisis communication. You're trash-talking us, but yet... We have an open date. Both of us have an open date on September fifth, but yet you're and, you're not scheduling. And, this. and, and may I like, may I just say may I just say shout out to ULM writer Adam Hunsucker. I don't know if you saw his retweet. Yeah, he, he bitch slapped him. It was awesome. But you know, Tommy <laughs> Tommy McClellan said ninety nine problems. Adam Hunsucker retweets it and says, and dodging Brian Maggard's phone calls isn't one? Yeah, I mean, I think that perception That's hilarious. I, I think from a perception standpoint, like, that just doesn't look good when you're trash-talking the school and then avoid them at the same time. And to say, well, you know, well, well the Cajuns don't bring anything to the table. Well, you scheduled Houston Baptist. And, you know, you know the, I mean, the, what? A rental win. A rental win, and, and you're going to tell me that the Cajuns don't bring anything to I'll, the I'll table tell you, when we're I'll a tell top you. 40 team? I'll tell you this, the thing the thing that pisses me off about the whole scenario is their fan base is like, oh well, you know, we've we've dominated you guys in football every single time we've played, blah, blah, blah. You haven't played us in five years. I mean, do you know, do you know how much this program has we have a new athletic director, we have a whole new coaching staff. 
I don't think any of the coaches on staff were here in 2015, except maybe Dez. Yeah, a few, maybe handful, but that's about it. But yeah. it's a completely all new players. None of these players were here in 2015. Like it's a whole new program, top to bottom. What? And and I really want to ask, outside of Louisiana Tech's ego, who does this hurt? Well, if they lose, it hurts recruiting for them because we are a peer. Whether they want to whether they want to acknowledge it or not. We are a peer when we recruit the same players, and and players from Monroe, uh, Shreveport area are choosing to come to Lafayette well, over their program. Well, well here, so that is one thing that they lose. Right, maybe, maybe so, but it's not like their recruiting is really any good, anyways. They're still a mediocre program. Well, if you got if you have to schedule a rent a win rather than play a real football team, that lets me know how good you think your program is. Right, yeah, thank yeah, you, exactly. thank you very much. I think, I think the issue is here is is you know right now. Um, I think what bothers me about the ego part, and their fans can say what they want about, oh, well, you know, ULL is easy and all this stuff. Look, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and teams need to get games in. I will, I will that's the you. problem I have. And if this were any other year, any other ordinary year, yeah, and they sure. just don't want to play, that's fine because maybe, oh, we have our schedule made up. But right now, we need to get games in. It's they need open. to get games in. We need to get games in. You, you got a September 5th opening, and on top of that, you're keeping it regional. You're not going to travel to Maine. You're not going to Hawaii. You're not going to Florida. You're, you got a golden opportunity to play a team that's on your level here in Louisiana, and both teams have an open spot, and you don't even want to. You don't even well, want to acknowledge. Take it a step further. If I'm everyday tech fan, would I rather watch us destroy an FCS school, or would I like to see us play the Cajuns? Uh, I mean, seriously, if you if you asked a hundred tech fans, I bet you seventy five of them would say, well, "Let's play." Most of them have yet. said that. Most of them have said when they scheduled ULM. Yeah, I would have rather played ULL that date. You go on their fan right. forum, go to uh, their, their, their exactly. fan forum, they said exactly I'll, that. I'll tell you this, though. September 19th, I'm going to be a Houston Baptist Huskies fan. Oh, I'll, anytime because anybody plays them, I, that, that That's just ridiculous. Well, it's like, look, I understand you have a history. I understand. Like, it, like for someone like Appalachian State, okay, like, they can talk trash because, look, they've beaten us as many times as they've had. And you know what? They've backed it up. They finished in the top 25 last year. The one year Tech finished in the top 25 – they, they, they declined a bowl bid because they thought they were too big for their britches to play in the Independence Bowl. <laughs> so the one time yeah, they had the opportunity to put their name their, their name on the map, all it did was backfire on them. They became the laughing stock of Attitude, the country. Attitude, reflect, leadership. All right, KG. Let me, let me say this last thing, all right? Look, Tommy Boy McClellan will henceforth be known on this podcast as Tommy Boy McCucklin. All right? That's it. I'm, I'm only going to respond and, and refer to him. <laughs> To him is Tommy Boy McCucklin. Oh, man. Yes. Okay. All right, KJ Nation. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Rage and Review Pod. You can head to www.RageandReviewPod.com. New website under construction coming soon. We'll give you guys more details about that later on. Josh, man, Jerry, anything else we, we got to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just want to thank Mr. Red Haney and uh, oh, absolutely. congratulations to Priority Access Urgent Care for their grand opening today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mr. Mayor President Josh Gillery for coming absolutely. on. Uh, we look forward to that interview in the future. And, and, and a huge thank you to the rest of our sponsors, including Primary Access Urgent Care, Chris Russo and Russo Exploration, Adam and Sarah Lopez with Award Master, and Schilling Distributing. And we still have more to announce, but uh, yeah, just that, that, yeah, that just keep that's on just on. the ones that have signed on the dotted line. Yeah, we'll just keep that so on. get on the just, rocket ship. We're going straight up. Listen, this was a whole lot of fun. Thanks to the guys. Thanks to Ed and his wife. And uh, well, I can't say enough how much fun we had. And uh, suck it, Tech, and uh, go Cajuns. This has been Rage and Review live from Primary Access Urgent Care, twenty nine twelve Johnson Street, here in Lafayette. Let them know, Owie.